Welcome to episode 98 of the Scouting Pancake Podcast, live at the Queen and Glass with Bob Peters. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, world famous Bob Peters. No, 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 not at all. I wish. One day, maybe. One day. One day. Yeah. All right. Let's start from the beginning of time. <laughs> so, the Big Bang Theory happened. Big Bang. Skip a couple billion years. You're born. So, talk about how you got into the bartending scene in Charlotte? Uh, well, this uh, this is actually pretty funny. I um, was hanging out. Um, my older brother, when I moved back to Charlotte, introduced me to this wonderful little dive bar called the Elizabeth Pub. And this was... Oh, man. I, oh, gosh, I can't see. I guess I would have been about... I was 21 or 22, maybe. Uh, so, anyway, 100 years ago. And... Um, I was sitting there, and there was me and the owner and one other guy that worked there were in the bar. It was dead. It's probably about 5 or 6 o'clock at night, and the, one of the guys sitting there, the, uh, the employee was talking to the owner, and he was like, so-and-so is leaving. You know, then we're not going to have anybody to work on Wednesdays. Nobody wants to work here. Nobody wants to pick up any extra <laughs> shifts. What in the world are we going to do? Who are we going to get like, to work here? And the owner simply was like, I have no idea. And they were sort of dumbfounded, and I kind of raised my hand like I was in class and was like, I'm sorry, to, like, I don't mean to be eavesdropping, but I'll do it. And so uh, that's basically how it, how it started in this little place called the Elizabeth Pub, which was an amazing dive bar. It was a total, total dive bar. It didn't have, didn't have any windows. It was dirty. It was beautiful. Where was it? Uh, on the corner of 4th and Torrance here in Charlotte, which unfortunately now it's a parking lot. Parking deck, excuse me. Fourth and Torrance. Fourth and Torrance. No fourth. It's it's. Uh, Is it in Elizabeth? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, on Fourth Street. Yeah. Fourth it's like near the hospital. Kinda. Yeah, kind of. You know, a couple blocks away. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it was it was an amazing place, and it was a great place to learn uh, learn how to bartend. It was basically twisting off beer caps and pouring straight shots of liquor, and uh, it was a ton ton of fun getting to get to do that it was a lot of babysitting you know so <laughs> we, it was only regulars because nobody would dare walk into a place that looked that horrible and that scary from the outside but when you walked inside like there was carpet on the floors there was a couple tvs that didn't work very well there was dartboards in the back we eventually got a ping pong table back there uh, a couple pool tables a jukebox that we curated to like an amazing level uh, and so it ended up being like really fun place and we got um, a bunch of my lifelong friends I met them there and so I mean it's, it's, it's turned out to be it was definitely a blessing absolutely so you grew up in Charlotte I grew up in Charlotte yep and I went away for college and did some crazy summer jobs and spent some time away and then moved back for family and then ended up falling in love with bartending okay so after um, the dive bar uh-huh. where'd you head uh, so I was I was already sort of had my teeth sunk into the restaurant business at that time. So let's see, one of my from there I started working at uh, Fat City, which was uh, like a rock and roll sort of uh, dive bar in Noda. So it was like the first 
first bar of significance in Noda. Um, and it was crazy, and Noda at that point was a little bit like the Wild West. Like there <laughs> yeah. were still like hookers walking up and down the street, like in plain view, and some definite sketchy points. Like, you know, you could go a couple blocks up North Davidson and a couple blocks down North Davidson, but that's about it, you know. Um, it was definitely a transition, um, transitional period. And you took the light rail every day. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely no light rail at the time. Nobody had even considered a light rail. Um, again, this was uh, this was a long time ago, but it was uh, a lot of fun. And again, I learned a ton, a ton of stuff working there. Uh, and it was I got to see a bunch of great bands, and again, a lot more lifelong friends there. Really great. Okay. So then you're there. Yeah. So, so when are you, when are you learning, like, so you're learning, what do you mean by you're learning the bartending basics? So, um, the pub was very much like learning the very, very basics. Again, like, you know, sort of learning a little bit about this type and that type of alcohol, um, but very little of, you know, like what it is, you know, like what is amaretto? You know what I mean? What does that taste like? Can you remember what that is? Uh, And then there's, you know, there's more types of vodka than, you know, absolute and stoli. Uh, And how do you pronounce stolshivatschlila, you know? Like, how do you pronounce that? So that, again, that was very much the basics. And then at Fat City, we got super busy at times. There was uh, gallery crawls at points and... I mentioned that it was sort of a rock and roll venue. We had all, actually all kinds of music that played there, and we would get super busy when really popular bands would come into town. So I learned how to start to do, to do um, high volume at that point. So it's like being efficient with your movements, um, how to make things quickly and tasty, and um, of course, customer service, making people happy, making people feel special, making them feel welcome and wanted, uh, and building clientele base for very slower nights where you could have you know on a slow night you could still have a great night because you made good money because you have your regular customers in who you know love when you're when you're behind the bar so um i mean so how you made the transition from that to like the higher end to, co- to cocktails yeah to cocktails <clears throat> so that was definitely at the time where uh i started working at Seoul. Um, I worked at Seoul for a couple of years. Seoul Gastro Lounge. Seoul Gastro Lounge again here in Charlotte. Um, and we did, um, we were started to do some, like dabble in some of, in cocktails, you know. Did you still, did you help open Seoul Gastro Lounge? I, I started there shortly after they opened uh, and then worked there for a couple of years. Went and did a different project for, I don't know, about a year and then came back and worked there for a couple more years. So, um, off and on for I don't know five or six years, however many, however long it was. Um, but well, that's sort of where like we started dabbling in cocktails while I was working there. And then uh, one of my best friends, Brian Lee, who was uh, and one of the owners at Pisces Sushi Bar and Lounge, uh, call, uh, came in to Seoul one night, uh, and he came in like at eleven o'clock at night, and it scared me. It scared me because. Brian doesn't drink. He's, he's never been a drinker at all. Uh, so when he comes into a bar at 11 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong? <laughs> right? Uh, and he really freaked me out. I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? He was like, yeah, what's wrong with you, man? He was like, I'm fine. I was like, well, what are you doing here? And he was like, well, 
I wanted to come and ask you a question. I wanted to talk to you. I was like, oh, okay. So basically, he was expanding Pisces at that point into a lounge. Um, they got additional square footage uh, from the leasing agency, knocked a hole in the wall, and they were creating a lounge concept on the side of their restaurant. There would also be restaurant space as well, uh, dual space. So he said he needed um, me to look at the blueprints for the new bar that they were drawing up. My father was an architect, so I read that language very easily. That was something I was grown up sort of reading that additional language as well. So uh, I did that. We made some adjustments uh, after that sort of was finished. And then I asked him if he needed anything else. He said, actually, I would love, I need a cocktail list. And I said, okay, what kind of cocktail list? And uh, this was some years ago now. Like, It's like 2011? Five, let's see, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, probably about eight years ago now. Maybe a little bit longer, uh, maybe nine years ago at the point in the story. He said, um, he said, I need a cocktail list. And I was like, okay, well, what kind of cocktail list do you need? Because I can kind of be like walking up to a bar and saying, I want a beer. Yeah. Right? Well, what kind of beer do you want? Uh, so he said, and this was like, I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, I want to be able to charge $15 a cocktail. And I started laughing. I was like, all right, man, okay. <laughs> like, this is all right, you know. Wow, okay. Because at that point in time, with uh, the fledgling, like, baby, embryonic kind of phase in which Charlotte cocktails were at, uh, that was almost non-existence. That put, if, if we were to do that immediately, that would have put us in one of the most expensive drinks in town. Uh, so... Um, you know, if you were Capital Grill or a super nice restaurant and you got like a Grey Goose martini at that point, which was like, you know, yeah. the deal, <laughs> right? The, the hot stuff, you know, getting a dirty martini in a place like that, it would run you good money, you know, and that $15 range wouldn't be too far out of, out of the realm of possibility. But I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, I just don't want people um, to sip on a cheap drink you know, for an hour. He said, I need to get a little bit better turnover inside on the money side. So we need to figure out a way where we can charge more money for drinks. And if we're going to focus on cocktails, then, then it's got to be cocktails. And I said, okay, well, we can do anything that we put our heads together to do. And again, he's one of my best friends. Uh, and so I came up, I allowed myself to sort of jump in, jump down the rabbit hole and came up with actually a pretty cool, um, cocktail list. Um, I must say, for for like all in first time, like really trying to do something amazing uh, and different for Charlotte and high end, then that's that's sort of what happened. And so I had like um, what was it? I had a um, an avocado sort of cocktail with um, um, it was like a vanilla avocado cocktail with oh. an elderflower foam on top. Oh, wow. So a St. Germain foam that actually had booze in it. So, you know, the, the cocktail had, the avocado vanilla cocktail was um, had booze in it. And then the foam had booze in it. So it was cool because it was sort of like floating a cocktail on top of the cocktail that made the cocktail taste better. So, so how do you learn, like, how did you come up with a concept like that? Um, a whole lot of research on the internet and, you know, started digging up cocktail books and seeing, you know, sort of trying to strike a balance in between something that was 
approachable uh, with words that you could say, but also concepts that were sort of funky. So, uh, what is it? What does a Saint Germain foam mean? You know, in a cocktail list. So, to Charlotte at that time, nobody understood it, and it took a long time for that to develop. So, at first, everybody was like, "Let me get a Bud Light," and I'm like, "Well, we don't have Bud," <laughs> and you probably ought to try a cocktail. Uh, because, like, we have an amazing cocktail list. And so they would go, like, okay, well, let me get a Crown and Coke then. And be <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I can get you a Crown and Coke if you, if you have your heart set on that. However, here's the cocktail list. Check this out. You know, if there's something on here that interests you, you let me know, and I'll make it for you. If you hate it, if you don't like it, then I'll get you your Crown and Coke. And so I sort of had to hedge my bets with the guests that way. Um, and it worked. Uh, it worked. And slowly, and again, it took a while, but over the course of the next year, year and a half, finally we started to get a reputation of a place um, that was making pretty cool cocktails. So what were the other places back then that you could get a decent cocktail around town? Um, definitely Seoul. Yeah. Uh, Andy Maurer was the head of the cocktail program over there at that time. Um, uh, Blake, who now is over at Kindred, was over there as well for a little while before. Um, before so Seoul was like the Seoul was, was one like the of, baby, absolutely as like well a family as, tree. Yeah, as well as um, Stefan Hubner, of course, um, who is a very dear friend of mine, and I've known him for a long time, a uh, long, long time. And he also was doing really cool stuff over at um, Heist Brewery. He was doing some super cool stuff over there and still continues. Heist was kind of like the cool, they had, had like the crazy food and like cool cocktails. Yeah. And like Old Mac was like, it was kind of like them too. I guess Birdsong and yeah. Noda had like just started, but that was really like very beginning of absolutely brewery scene craft beer movement you guys were starting really the cocktail scene yeah the the craft beer movement at that time um had definitely had a head start on us um and from different cities and you know you started to um, import beers it sort of made their run where it sort of expanded everybody's ideas from you know just macro brews like Budweiser and that kind of thing to like oh wow what is a brown ale? Well, Newcastle, what's a brown ale? Try this. It's a couple of dollars more expensive, but it's way different, you know, and pretty amazing. And so the import beers led to the um, the craft beers, and then the craft beers sort of led the way for craft cocktails. Uh, at least that's how it went here in Charlotte. I mean, I, I would imagine that most people around the country have a similar story, but that definitely is what happened here in Charlotte. But that, you know, now when you open up a restaurant, like you're really thinking about the cocktail list and you're hiring someone like you to like help curate that list. But back then, like the cocktails and the drinks were kind of an afterthought. Right. And it's like you just sort of threw stuff together. Like if if you you just put stuff on, it, it literally you just threw stuff in a list to have a cocktail list after you got all the rest of your stuff done. Yeah. And that was just to offer something and it was just for an upsell. It wasn't because the experience was going to be great. That was just strictly a profit driven sort of idea to have a cocktail list. And it's like, well, we can make it as good as we possibly can. But, you know, it's like, I don't know, 
vodka and cranberry and Red Bull, vodka <laughs> and blah, 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 and, you know, Sprite, you know, vodka and lemonade and Sprite, you know, vodka and vodka and vodka. And, uh, so, no, Charlotte has, has come a long way where absolutely people are thinking from the very much the concept of places uh, about cocktail lists, and that's actually how I got involved here at the Queen and Glass. Um, and I've always loved this space. The space is super cool. It's set really far back off the street, off of East Boulevard. It's almost on the corner of East and Scott, where the People's Market is. But we're next door to that, and so it's set way back off the street, sort of underneath the stairs and half in the parking deck. Uh, so it's sort of this hidden gem of a place. And the owner, uh, Corey Duran, um, he asked me to come in and talk to him about maybe doing some consulting work and helping him with getting this place off the ground. And this was little over a year ago so I came in and I was really excited I wasn't sure exactly if this was going to be the space when I got the address and so when I walked in I was like yes like so cool like so cool because I love this space I've been in here a couple of times and he uh, gave me the tour and we talked and he is uh, like he's an amazing guy he's somebody that that very quickly when you start talking to him he like you like him you know, because he's so kind and he's kind of soft-spoken and he's he's very smart um, uh, and a good businessman. He's done he's done bars and stuff in the past, and so all of these things I, I really like and really was starting to get more and more on board with the idea of this place. And then he, I was like, "Do you have a name yet?" And he said, "The Queen in Glass." And I absolutely love the name. Yeah, I really love the name. Badass. So great, uh, and it conveys so much message so quickly. You know about what the concept is, and it, it gives you a, a point of reference for geography, and you know, and it relates back to Charlotte, the Queen City, and you know all this really wonderful stuff. So we basically just roll up our sleeves and you know got busy and um, put together a really nice cocktail list, and um, he, we've had a couple of really amazing chefs that are doing great food over here, like shockingly great food. Um, the the environment here is. It's very unassuming. There's not a ton of bells and whistles, but it's it's clean and it's very approachable. It's not intimidating at all. And like we play super cool, like old school hip hop music during service, and people just come in and then you can just see them start to relax and like their you know terrible days start to melt off of them, especially once they get a drink or two in them. And then and then uh, things have just gone better and better ever since. In fact, we got. Uh, at the end of last year, we got um, named as one of Charlotte's top 25 new restaurants by Charlotte Magazine. Uh, and nobody knows about the place. So the fact that, you know, we were up against some pretty big, big boys and girls, you know, that had tons of money behind PR and, you know, marketing and all this stuff. And here we are, this little 38C restaurant, you know, again, set back off the street, underneath the stairs, half in a parking deck. We got put up there next to some some amazing restaurants and chefs. We felt pretty good about the project. Yeah, yeah. I've been here. Right. Good food, and plus you get to hang out with Bob and <laughs> and Larry and well, I mean that's not a selling point. Let's talk about <laughs> that. But oh, yeah, you, you I get love to Larry. you get to hang out uh, with one of the best. So, do you call yourself a bartender? I call myself a bartender. So I understand that there's a a reason to 
for the for the name mixologist for some people to be able to understand the difference in between you know standpoint A and standpoint yeah. B however I would just call myself a bartender so you can hang out with one of the best bartenders or mixologists whatever you want to call them see, see what I mean <laughs> in town right okay so let's back up though so you were at Pisces mm-hmm. and in between here you went to the punch room yep the Ritz Carlton uh, which was a ton of fun they approached me about uh, about doing um, about doing the punch room and this new craft cocktail lounge that they were doing and one of my buddies worked for the Reds and sort of was their uh, liaison I guess and he came to me and said hey you know they're going to do this thing and I was like man that sounds awesome can't wait to see who they are going to get to run that program and he said they're talking about you doing it like do you want to go meet them uh, and I was like yeah <laughs> absolutely and he said well the only thing is you would have to cut your beard and I was like nope not doing it don't worry about it skip it and so he was like are you sure this might be a really good opportunity uh, I love that I love that because I'm the same way like with so I worked with my dad and when I first came back we're, we're accountants you know the real fun type right <laughs> and uh I, I, I dress pretty casual, and he used to wear a coat and a tie basically every day. Right. And I told him, like, the first time a client says they're not going to come to us because I'm wearing I'm not wearing a tie, I'll wear a suit every day. After that? Yeah. Right. It hasn't happened yet. Right. So. It's, it's, you know, it's a new day. You know? Yeah. It's, it's a new day. It's a new day, and things are getting... Just times and style are changing, period, you know? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that, It's but it, it's definitely and a fact. approachable. I mean, I want to touch it. I want to talk to you, you know? I, um, How do you feel about people touch- touching your beard? No? I love Don't it, that? yeah. Okay. I love it. So, <laughs> basically, he came and he said, okay, went away, and like six months later, he came back. He said, they're still talking about you. And I said, no, don't worry about it, you know? And he said, well... They've changed their personal grooming standards <laughs> for the Ritz Carlton Corporation, which I think was coming anyway. Yeah. I don't think it really had anything to do with me, but uh, as soon as he said that, I was like, "All right, set up the meeting." And so we put together a really amazing program up there, and um, I traveled all over the world. I went to France a couple times, and um, spent a ton of time doing stuff uh, here in the states at different Ritz Carltons and. Like a, it was a really great experience there. It was a ton of fun, and uh, eventually I got to the point where it was time to do something different. And so I started my own consulting business, and then that sort of leads us into how I got involved here over at the Queen of Glass, and sort of set up home base over here. And um, I love it so much that I'm, I'm working here pretty much full time, and then doing consulting and stuff on the side. So you kind of mentioned before, like you know. When you first started in Charlotte, and even like ten years ago, you would just you know, there's a couple brands of vodka, a couple brands of rum, whatever. Now, like there's so many local cordials and cocktails and different types of alcohols. So, kind of talk about like how you got into the, so the local. What's What's crazy is I I started to hear about that time in Pisces days the beginning of Pisces as I started to hear more and more about North Carolina spirits uh, and at first it was just like you know a little blip on the map and then it got to be you know a couple little blips uh, and I was like wow what else is what else is out there you know like what else is happening in North Carolina because the stuff that I tried and started to try and taste 
was really good. And I was like, okay. And first, one of the first ones was Cardinal Jim. Uh, two brothers, uh, Alex and Charlie Mooney, out of Kings Mountain, North Carolina. You know, like, how in the world could that gym be any good? <laughs> you know, how is that possible? Yeah. Man, I tell you what, it is incredible stuff. And so, if you start to throw away your um, your prejudices, you know, your geographical prejudices about where booze can and can't come from, then you know everything changes. So. North Carolina started producing some amazing gins, which led into other things, and of course, vodka. And you know, we have a rich history of moonshine and moonshiners and that whole thing, which has you know developed into NASCAR, which is crazy that booze turned into a sport, (laughs) (laughs) an an automotive sport at that. So, um, like, there's 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 a lot of crazy stuff happening, and now, you know, I've become a huge fan of North Carolina spirits and a huge advocate for everything North Carolina. I love my state. I love Charlotte. You know, like we said earlier, I'm here from Charlotte. And I think it's a cool town and a great state, and we've got a lot to offer. And I think that we get sort of skipped a lot of times on a national conversation level because people just go, oh, North Carolina, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that's not true. We've got over 70 legal distilleries here in the state now. No, it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Like, that is really crazy. And there's, you know, now we're starting to get some really good bourbon that's starting to pop up. And, you know, the, the longer that takes, the better. But it's we can already see some really amazing things starting to happen. So, um, I, yeah, man, I love all the North Carolina spirits and what the Distillers Association is doing. And um, they're starting to, starting to really make some waves, you know, like... Uh, Durham Distilleries, uh, Conniption Strength Navy Gin, I think it was their Navy Gin, won like uh, gold medal, the San Francisco Spirit Awards, and like all this amazing stuff. And um, Sutler's Gin also won some awards out there. And man, like it's it's the real deal, you know. Nobody can deny it anymore. So again, it's something I'm really proud of, and I love using North Carolina spirits in. Um, in my cocktails here at the bar and um, I also like showing them off I do a uh, once a month I do a, a free class at Rolls Grocery so typically the second Saturday of every month at 2.30 I do a free cocktail class so people just show up at Earl's Grocery and um, and we do some tasting and awesome. talking about spirits do you yeah. have to sign up anywhere? you just show no, up? no you just show up man that's it there's, it's like one of the coolest things ever. Uh, hey, hang out with Bob. He gets to teach you cocktails. <laughs> I mean, talk about drinks, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool, uh, and it's it's zero pretension about it. There's we we talk like a big group of friends, um, and we just like it's. I don't, I'm not teaching anything. I'm just sharing what I know about stuff. So it's super relaxed and like. I think this fall it'll be five years that I've been doing that. Oh wow! Right, we gotta go. You gotta I'm go. Saying, I'm taking my wife. We'll go over there and yeah. do a little drinking. Right, a little talking. That'll be fun. Do we chat it up? We set up a, a microphone. <laughs> yeah, we'll just record. I all, well, I always bring the microphone. I record everything. <laughs> that way, I can remember stuff. Yeah. So, when you were traveling the world, what was like the coolest cocktail you had that you're like, what is this, or one that you remember? Oh, uh, I mean, 
So I did. I traveled to France several times. Uh, one time was specifically to Cognac for um, the. There's a governing body that that sort of oversees Cognac and Cognac production, and so they invited me and sent me out uh, to Cognac for couple of short days to try some cognac and see what's going on and learn about a little bit more about the process and the history behind cognac and so it was definitely one of the coolest experiences of my life I went we went to um, Martel uh, Martel house they had a bottle of cognac that was in their reserve cellar called La Paradise the reserve cellar was called Paradise (laughs) and it was dark and underground and cold and dimly lit and kind of musty and like the coolest like it it smelled like old dirt it just didn't smell like dirt it smelled like old dirt (laughs) and uh, they had glass these giant glass bottles basically that, that were wrapped in wicker like handmade wicker baskets and there was really really old cognac aging down there uh, and one of them like the oldest one was from like 1850 oh wow yeah and I was like hey can we try that They're like absolutely not <laughs> like, okay well I gotta try I gotta try um, but that was that that's was for the team you're right you gotta, you gotta give it a shot right uh, so um, that was that experience was incredible, and we had um, we went to uh, we went to a, a, a little distillery. Um, give me a second, and I'll, I'll remember the name. And we sat in their living room, basically, or their dining room, and talked with the dad whose grandfather had started making you know cognac, um, you know, seventy five years before that, and sat there and tried their family stuff and then their family reserve and they they it was like so early it was like nine o'clock in the morning we're drinking cognac and like it was that part was tough but it was really delicious cognac uh so that that was great but they gave us these um little little bits of really nice chocolate to try um with the uh with the cognac and so their family reserve cognac, which was like a BS, no, like an XO cognac, which is on the higher end of the cognacs. They, tri- I think it was like 80, 85% chocolate. So like a darker chocolate and we tried it and let it melt in your mouth and then sort of just barely took a little tiny sip of it as the chocolate was sort of fading out of your mouth and it made my eyes just roll back in my head and uh, it was one of the most magical experiences ever. Remember that scene in Ratatouille? Oh, yeah, you ever see that movie uh, with the fireworks that went out all Yeah, he's out? like, I convert, I take that to the other and that to the other and bring right. it to the other, yeah. The mushroom and the rosemary yeah. or whatever it was and the cheese. Yeah. Uh, that was literally like that. It's like the, the two things together was greater than the sum of both those things. So it was, uh, that was a, a really ridiculous experience. That's... We have to go there. Oh. What, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> I would love to go back. <laughs> yeah, you buy the tickets, man. I'm there. We'll see. Do a GoFundMe. Okay. <laughs> Anything's possible. Right. Um, okay, so talk about, like, good bar behavior. So, as me, mm-hmm. just, you know, run-of-the-mill, Joe Schmo coming in to a bar. What's, like, something that you should or should not do? 
Uh, I think that it's 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 pretty it's common sense, but common sense gets blurry <laughs> when you start to drink, right? Yeah. Uh, so my my rule of thumb is just be kind, just be kind, and you know, sort of the golden rule is treat other people the way that you want to be treated. You know, uh, so don't snap your fingers at anybody. You know, don't scream at anybody. Try to be patient. You know, wait your turn. You know, if there's if there's somebody that's that you know the bartender is talking to, you know, don't try not to interrupt. You know, just be nice yeah. to people. Just use your common sense in your manners. You know, like just because you're at a bar doesn't mean that you can't be an adult. You can't use manners. You know, so um, that's typically what I ask very politely of people is, hey, just. You know, listen, I think it's going to be okay. Nobody's dying here. We're not that. We're not in the ER. There's no reason to shout. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you don't need a pint of double uh, O negative blood stat. You know, you're waiting for a drink. And the stuff that we do here, and in any other craft cocktail lounge for that matter, it, things take a minute. You know, because you're using fresh ingredients, so it's not pre-made, and it's you know you're. We're making things to order and as you like it specifically. So it, it just takes a minute, you know. So you got to be patient sometimes. And if there's two or three people in front of you, then it doesn't take two or three minutes. Now it takes six or seven minutes to get a drink. Um, which, if if you're if you can relax through that and enjoy your time by having good people around you then it's a really pleasurable experience to sort of unwind and let somebody else take control and just relax. Um, that, to me, is the best part about being in a nice cocktail bar. Yeah. So just chilling. I think one of the cool things about you is you have a very good command over the bar, and I think that's a sign of, like, a really good bartender is you, like, you know when to talk to people, when not to talk to people, <laughs> like, how to get the get everything moving in a proper manner but not too fast and not too slow right. that's like the art of I, I, the bartending I agree and thank you for saying that There's, a lot of people don't see that but you know if you're busy then you try to make you try to cut your small talk down a little bit uh, and if you're talking to somebody and somebody else walks in then you can say hey I'll be right back to you you know let me go take care of these guys and I'll be right back don't forget what you were saying um, and all, I think all these things are reasonable side of again just sort of adult manners uh, and it's not offensive if I'm at work and yeah. I have to put you and me's conversation on pause for a moment while I go talk to somebody that just sat down um, and then I come back and be like alright where were we but uh, no that stuff I think all that stuff matters and you know I think that it matters that, that when you are talking with somebody that you keep looking around the room so that you can see if somebody else is like looking up at you or somebody walked in and you didn't notice it. Now you see them and, and you can take care of those people and you're not just too focused in on the conversation that you're having with whatever guest you're with. Um, I call that, um, I call that having bar eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. and, that, and that's a skill that like takes a long time because you got to learn the basics and then yeah. you got to learn how to make all the cocktails. Okay. What, what's like some of Talk about some of the cocktails that you're most proud of that you came up with. You're like, well, I, I outdid myself on that one, Bob. I assume you call yourself Bob. I do. I call myself Bob or, or Dummy, one or the other. Um, I think that I think that 
um, simple cocktails typically are things that that I am most proud of because it's um, it's like editing, you know. Like you hear chefs say it all the same uh, the same all the time. Um, your chefs say the same thing all the time, and that is that their job is to pick out the best possible ingredients that are available to them, and then from there, their job is not to screw them up. So I, I definitely find that type of enlightenment and that type of joy um, in cocktails, um, hopefully as much as possible. And so instead of adding one more ingredient to see if I can make it a little bit better, I try to take one more ingredient out to try to make it better. That's pretty cool. So what's, so what's something you got on the menu right now that's like... That turned out really well? Yeah. Uh, so I, again, sort of along that chef sort of idea about taking the best possible ingredients. Right now, in the heat of the summer here in Charlotte, we have, uh, we have really amazing local strawberries available like really good stuff. So I've got some local strawberries and I've made a, a strawberry syrup out of them, which is like this beautiful, beautiful red color. And it's like the syrup is surprisingly clear uh, and red and beautiful. And I, so I took that and I mixed it with uh, a local bourbon from the, the, the gin guys, the Cardinal gin guys actually have done a bourbon. It's called Turning Point Bourbon. And it is really delicious. It's actually high in malt and high rye content but it is still considered to be a bourbon and so I've got their turning point bourbon a strawberry syrup that I made from North Carolina strawberries um, fresh and then I've mixed it um, with Frenette Bronco which is a bitter Italian digestive so people think immediately that it's going to be a sweet drink but um, it's not sweet because the strawberry syrup, it's, it's balanced because of the bitter fernet. So the fernet and the strawberry sweetness balance each other out. And then you've got the booziness of, a, um, of the bourbon, of a really cool bourbon. And so it's, it's like along the lines of the idea of a Negroni. Sort of you've got a boozy, you've got a bitter, and then you have a sweet portion. Um, and it turned out really, really amazing. And that one is called, uh, oh, and I, I garnish it with like a little lemon, little lemon oil, like a little lemon rind. Uh, and that one is called assistant to the regional manager. Oh, so like I, Dunder Mifflin, like Dunder Mifflin, like the office. Right. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of the office. I watch it all the time. It's like my mood medicine and it yeah. puts me in a good mood. That's so. the only show I've ever watched, like literally the first episode to the last episode. Oh, yeah. Even after Michael Scott left. It's incredible. I know. It's, 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 it's the best. It's really, really hilarious. So Until you start working in an office and then it's all too real <laughs> and you're like, oh, crap. I, I can't go. I can't watch it on TV after I just lived it. Uh, but I named a bunch of the cocktails on this cocktail list after references from uh, the office. So there's assistant to the regional manager. There's one called the Dundies. There's one uh, called the fire drill. The fire <laughs> is shooting at us. Uh, there's one called, which is my favorite. This one's my favorite. It's called what's so stupid about wanting to name a baby usher. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple others that, uh, that are really funny. And I had a great time naming this list. It's, uh, it's turned out well. That's awesome. What's your favorite, like, other than these names, like what's the best name that you've come up with a cocktail? Mm, man, that is a great question. 
That's why they pay me to do this. That's right. So if I don't make any money, so, so they don't pay. You. <laughs> um, one of the, I had a really cool uh, drink that was um, that I made at uh, the Ritz, where I had this long stem coupe glass. It was really amazing, and I made a, a, um, an almond twill like that went around the glass like from top to bottom like around it yeah and it was like kind of like a halo over the glass that was put on a plate so it was all presented in this the garnish went over the glass like that uh, you can see this oh here's a good plug so if you want to look at that if you want to see what I'm talking about you can go to my Instagram page uh, which, by the way <laughs> I think you're the first person who's verified on Instagram that we've ever had so like that's all you need to know about. That's all I should introduce you. Bob Peters uh, verified on blue check mark. Thank you very yes. much. Uh, but my Instagram page is Bob underscore at Bob underscore Peters, and so you just look back, and so there's a drink called uh, the Saint, and I think thought that that was really clever because yeah. the garnish looked like a halo. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was, awesome. That was cool. We'll we'll definitely post you on our Instagram, please. Which I don't think you need any help from us, but no, listen, I'll take any help I can get. Okay, what's the deal with bartenders and Fernet? <laughs> um, bartenders and Fernet, it got, uh, from what I understand, the the, uh, the folklore is that a couple of bartenders in San Francisco were behind the bar and it was slow and they wanted to have, they wanted to sneak a drink, but they were afraid that the owners would see that they um, were sneaking drinks. And except for that one bottle of really dusty old stuff in the back that was called Fernet Bronco that nobody except for really weird old men came in and drank maybe once a year and they only had a shot they left. So there's this bottle and so they tried it and it was horrible and it tasted super bitter and like medicinal like Chinese medicine and uh, they were like well this is our only option so they had a couple shots of it and then you know, as you go through this this uh, old wives' tale, probably that, that they ended up liking it, and so then they took that their knowledge of that and started spreading it to other bartenders because um, it's eighty proof, uh, but it's not sweet, so it's something that's different, um, and it's actually super enjoyable and really really delicious and quite complex. But yeah, you it's just very sort complex. of have to get over the initial hump of the fact that it's bitter and way different than anything that you typically have, especially in sort of the Americanized palate of, of flavors. And so once you get past that, then it's, it's a pretty magical thing. And not only that, but it actually is, when I said medicinal earlier, it actually is medicinal. People call that, call stuff medicinal all the time. And it sort of drives me crazy. But, you know, whiskey was prescribed to people for headaches and hysteria and whatever during the prohibition because it was medicinal. Yeah. Well, if you're hysterical, I've got hysteria. If you're, right, right. If you're awfully anxious <laughs> about something, nothing helps better than a couple shots of whiskey. <laughs> so sure, everything's medicinal, but this stuff actually, I would, I would say, keep it down, Larry. Keep it down. I'm joking. <laughs> We're still opening. That's uh, ice yeah. in the background. Uh, realize we use realize here. realize that's right not the cushy soft stuff it's hard ice one of my favorite Larry stories is we went somewhere and he asked about their ice program and it was like a Bojangles <laughs> he's like what's the deal with your ice program <laughs> that's why I love him so much yeah. Larry Suggs is my spirit animal 
<laughs> he is an animal, that's yeah. for sure. Okay, couple more questions, then, yes. you, then you can go make some money. Okay, you met Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? So uh, one of the cool things that, uh, that I was able to do when I was at the Ritz was um, go do their crazy, high-end, super intimate, really small food festival. So the Ritz-Carlton partnered with Eric Repair about 12 years ago now, 11, 12 years ago, and they, uh, they, his idea was to have like a bunch of his chef friends with him and like do this really amazing food festival down in the Cayman Islands. He has a he has a restaurant called Blue down at the Grand Cayman Ritz Carlton, which is a beautiful, beautiful, sounds nice, beautiful <laughs> hotel. I mean, I'm telling you, this is it's a magical place on earth. That's the one the rappers talk about in the in the songs when they talk. When they anybody say who has ever seen this place <laughs> talks about this place. It doesn't matter your profession, uh, but Even CPAs. Anyway, I got invited to go down there and participate in this uh, food festival. And uh, so I went down there, and then I met, met him that first year I was there, but it was very much in passing, and it was, I wasn't trying to be all over him. It was it's really interesting the first year that, that I was down there while he was down there is that you could tell how uncomfortable the crowds made him. The large group of people found him very quickly when he showed up on the first day, and there was... I don't know, hundred people around him very quickly and sort of boxed him in yeah. this sort of corner uh, of of the of the beach railing, you know, that separated the beach from like the Ritz Carlton Resort. And so after he got feeling too overwhelmed, I think probably when the clock struck three o'clock, when he no longer was probably expected to be there and present at that meet and greet or whatever, he simply stepped over the railing because he's a tall, tall yeah. dude stepped over the railing straight onto the beach and over some bushes and just started walking down the beach like, alright, I've had enough, I'm out <laughs> uh, and it was like, it was obvious that, you know, big crowds and small talk made him extremely uncomfortable and he didn't really want any part of it so I never never chose to pursue him if, if I met him in an elevator somewhere then we spoke a little bit, but uh, nothing like no friendship ever blossomed or anything. I saw him the next year too, and then the year after that, the third year that I was there, he um, had, had passed already. So that was a weird uh, came and cookout because you know one of the staples that he had been there every year, and him and Eric Pierre, uh were our best friends, were best friends, whatever you would say. So that was it was an odd energy about that that. Um, that kick out however um, that sounds like an awesome like place to be and like <laughs> meeting of the minds it's I mean the, the level of talent there is, is absolutely ridiculous like um, last year Dominic Crenn was there who's the first female chef ever yeah. in North America to get two and then three Michelin stars um Eric Pear got his third star last year uh Emeril Lagasse's there every year. Jose Andreas is there every year. You want to talk about some big personalities. Like yeah. Those guys are incredible. And then the entire rest of the supporting staff uh, supporting... I don't want to say supporting. The rest of the chefs that are there 
are incredible. Like I did an event with Rick Bayless. I did one with Sean Brock. Um, I did one with Andrew Zimmern. Uh, I've done several events with Emerald now. Like it's pretty incredible. Like that, it's so much fun and it's so relaxed and it's so beautiful. Like, can you imagine sitting on the beach and me giving you cocktails while watching Emerald do a live demo with your toes in the sand underneath a giant tent with the waves of the Cayman Islands lapping up right about 30 feet away from you. It is uh, magical. I'm not going to say I'm aroused. <laughs> I'm aroused. <laughs> it is, it's really, it's something, it's, it's a crazy experience. Uh, and That's awesome. It's, um, it's not without its expenses. However, if there's any way you can, you can plan for it, then it's something that absolutely as food people, you have to put on your bucket list. Yeah. I'm going to start that's the, that's the second GoFundMe. First, we're going to France, <laughs> and then we're going back. We're flying straight back to the Cayman Islands. Well, the, the next we'll one, save a little money. I'll be. Um, Are I'm, you going back this year? I, yeah, I'm going back. I was invited back. I'm that's uh, awesome. super honored to be going back again. And uh, I was actually talking to somebody right before I got here today about what um, I'm going to teach a like a, a class. Uh, they have this beautiful culinary studio where it's like sponsored by Viking and so like they have all these amazing like it's it's like a like think about like like a Viking like like a Viking Viking classroom yeah but it's got you know uh, not like the Viking people Viking like the (laughs) the kitchen (laughs) Viking right Viking kitchen equipment Uh, and so it's uh, it's really beautiful and it's got like a mirror above the above the um, the work table so people can see what your hands are doing and it's just stunning so I think uh, I'm not positive, but I think I might do a class on mezcal this year. Oh, yeah. So that should be my fun. wife loves mezcal. Oh man, she's like, okay, you can solve this for us. This will be the last question. Sure. Okay, if a woman orders straight tequila, is she crazy? No, she's amazing. There you go, Yvonne. You're amazing. That's all we need to know. Okay. Same thing with mezcal. Yeah, and maybe I, even up a bump. Even more amazing. Right, even more amazing. Okay, we ask every guest, what's the best thing they ate or drank this last week? So oh, you can God, pick. That's a great question, too. Best thing I ate or drank. This is a hard-hitting interview. This is great. Um, I know you've been, like, you know, interviewed by real people, but this is, like, the real deal. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think where I've eaten in the past week. Um, where was I? Had some super bad experiences in the Perfect. past week. What's the worst thing you had this week? We've never done that before. Uh, well, I won't say what what restaurant um, I was at, but me and my wife and my daughter went somewhere to go celebrate something that happened cool in the, in our family's life, and so. But they were in a hurry, so we picked some a place that was convenient, not my favorite place to begin with. And I looked at the menu, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I, um, I'm going to have some chicken wings, some spinach dip for the table because you can't possibly mess that stuff up. Uh, and then I'll have a French dip sandwich to, uh, for, you know, for my, my lunch and everything was horrible. The wings took like 20 minutes to come out. They were hammered. They were hammered. They were way overdone. They were like dry and hard. And the, the they were so overcooked that they had soaked up the little bit of sauce that they put on them. The spinach dip tasted like that. That was an island in it. So weird, right? Spinach dip with 
Thousand Island in it. It was gross. Anyway, it was not Thousand Islands can stay on the island. Oh, you know, okay, you know what? Uh, I do uh, just remember the best place I've been this past week. I um, went to a, a new uh, sushi bar in Cornelius. I took my niece out to lunch. She's getting ready to go off to college, so we went out um, to lunch the other day, and it was fantastic. Uh, it's called Cool Fish. Cool Fish in Cornelius. Cool and Cornelius, and it is quite amazing. I actually did the cocktail list for that place, too. So oh, yeah, so the drinks before we so go, bad. are there any places you want to talk about in Charlotte that you've done the cocktail list for? Um, we're, we're getting up there. Cool Fish uh, just got finished. Um, I did some work for Aria, the Italian restaurant uh, downtown. They're opening up a new concept called Cicchetti. I'm doing their cocktail list here, of course, at... Um, here, of course, at uh, the Queen and Glass. Um, I uh, did some stuff out of state that I just got back from. The, um, there's a place called uh, the Shaker and Vine uh, up in upstate New York, right outside of Albany, that I did an amazing cocktail list for. That place is beautiful, and things have gone, went really well there. Uh, I'm trying to think where else. I don't want to say a place and not have it right. No, 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 no. Um, uh, a couple other places. But you've done a bunch of places yeah. around town. Okay, so if we want to find you, if let's just say I'm, you know, got a couple million dollars, want to open up a bar. <laughs> where can where can we find then you don't. on the, Then <laughs> keep your money. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Where can we find you on uh, Instagram or where can we contact you? So you can uh, you can find me uh, pretty easy online to find uh, but it's once again it's at Bob underscore Peters which is Instagram Twitter I am at Bob the bartender which I think is funny uh, and then um, where else uh, I've got a web page which is um, BobPeters.net uh, Facebook which is I've got a business page which is Bob Peters Craft Cocktails so just DM them anywhere. Yeah, that's you right. can come for best things. Slide come to Queen in the Glass. Slide yeah. in my DMs. No, definitely come see me here at the Queen. Uh, I work typically Wednesday through Saturday. We're open Tuesday through Saturday, 5 o'clock until whatever time we close. And you and Larry are here normally Friday, Saturday, yep. so you get the double Man, team. It I mean, is super fun. You have to wear sunglasses in here because there's so fun. many stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, thanks so much. This was awesome. And uh, everyone knows about Peters. I don't need to say anything else, but you're the man and keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been super fun and uh, I'm honored to be a guest. Thank you so uh, much. You don't have to make up that bullshit, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much.